even now many antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so that it would be shown that they are all that they are that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Excuse me. <clears throat> and you all know. I have not written you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what, you heard, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made to us. Excuse me. Eternal life. Good news. That's the chunk. Let's look at the bits. Oh no, my goodness, I skipped the whole section. There's a lot more. Wow, so this is what happens when I do worship and then I try to talk. So give me some grace, guys. Man, it's like coming into another world. <laughs> These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteous, righteousness is born of him. <laughs> That's the chunk. Let's look at the bits. <laughs> Let's look at verses 18 and 19. First of all, we see that John is calling us children again. John uses enduring terms a lot. We talked about how John is a son of thunder. He doesn't pull any punches. Jesus gave him that nickname for a reason. And this guy is a ferocious enemy of heresy. This is the type of guy that would look you in the eye and say, you're lying to me right now, and you're lying to yourself. Get straight. And you'd be like, wow, that guy's kind of a jerk. And then after you thought about it for a while, you'd be thanking him. You know, oh man, nobody else told me straight like you, John. Thank you so much. That's this guy. And he writes the book with that tone. You need to know this. You need to know this. You need to change this. Because I love you. Beloved. Little children. Dear children. This is his heart. He's straightforward, he's stern, but he loves us, as any good leader should. Children, it is the last hour. This comes up a few times right here. It's the last hour. What does this mean? They were looking for the return of Jesus. John started this book by saying, look, I'm going to write to you guys about something that I saw and I touched. I observed it firsthand. This is real. You get a lot of conversations today where people say things like, how can I even believe in Jesus? That was so long ago. You know, was Jesus really real? Like, what proof do you have? What evidence is there for that? Well, I've got to tell you, you don't need 2,000 years of space to have those kinds of doubts. John was addressing those kinds of doubts in the first century. Like, what you're telling me is kind of crazy. Like, how do I know you're telling me the truth? And John's like, look, bro, I saw it. I was there. I touched him. Like, I physically saw him go into heaven. So he's trying to establish credibility. He's also fighting heresy. And he's saying, it's the last hour, because just like I saw him go up, he is coming back down. This is going to be one of the main themes of this chunk. 
When he says it's the last hour, he means time is limited until Jesus Christ comes back the way he went up and sorts stuff out. So take this seriously. It's the last hour, and just as you, just as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. And even now, many Antichrists have appeared. I don't know if anybody, when I read this chunk, I was like, oh, this is the Antichrist chunk, where John, all of a sudden, he's, it's a pretty normal book, right? And then, bam, we get like the Left Behind series thrown in our laps. <laughs> Antichrist is coming. I'm like, oh, man, I know where this goes. It's all weird. I listened to a great sermon. Who's heard me mention David Guzik before? Yes, from the Blue Letter Bible app. Turns out that guy has audio messages as well. Justin told me about this. And I was like, no way. Yeah, I know. That's the face I made too. So I listened to one of his audio messages on this about the Antichrist. It was great. So I'd encourage everybody to get on blueletterbible.com and listen to that. I really benefited from that. But he talks about Antichrist, and we really misunderstand it. John is going to dive in to what this is and kind of demystify it. But let's talk about the term for a minute. Any belief, any belief about Jesus that is inconsistent with Scripture is in the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Amen. This is what John means. If it doesn't line up with what I'm telling you as an apostle, as the guy that saw him go up, I physically listened to him. If it doesn't agree with me and it doesn't agree with the other guys that were there, that's in the Antichrist. Yep. Amen. It was cut and dry back then and it can be just as cut and dry now. Plus... This little prefix here, anti, doesn't necessarily mean opposite. It doesn't necessarily mean super antagonistic against. Yeah. It can mean instead of or in place of. Here's an alternative. Maybe Jesus was like this. People construct Jesuses all the time that aren't the real Jesus. I call him Jesus Smith instead of Jesus Christ. Like, which Jesus are you worshiping? Like, oh, Jesus Smith. He lives down the street. Yeah, just moved in. I'm better than him. No. That's not the Jesus we're talking about. So, these people are teaching false things about Christ. Some are teaching that he wasn't really God. Some are teaching he didn't really come in the flesh. John is saying, if it doesn't jive with what we're saying, that is the spirit of the instead of Christ, of the against Christ. Does that make sense? It's yep. not the real Jesus. All right. By this we know that it's the last hour. These false teachings have, arrived, have arisen. And then it says this in verse 19. They went out from us. Who's they? Who can help me out? The Antichrist. The Antichrist. They went out from us. So they were in the church hanging out and then left. So we have to get rid of this like super evil figure dripping with evil, right? Where like fire is like following them as a boss. <laughs> like this is somebody who was in the church who was like, eh, peace. I'm done with this right now. I was here for a while, now I'm going to leave. So John is saying, these people that are causing problems were here. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. They hung around a while, but they were never really in. And in fact, you might notice that there is an awful lot of us's in this chunk. And for every us, there's a them. So us and them language is all over this passage. Now, I, I'm not making the point that the church needs to like have its chin tucked and its knuckles up. Be ready for the world. Because it's us and them, man. We're in and they're out. That's not what John is saying. John is saying that these people that are lying to you about Jesus, these people who are coming and trying to convince you that this false teaching is true, they're way out. 
And not only are they out, they were never in. You know them, they hung out here for a while, but they don't belong here, and they never really did. It's very comfortable drawing a hard line with those people. All right. So, no good. Antichrist. People teaching lies. Next chunk. But you. So he's going to contrast the Antichrist to the true believers. He's talking to us now. Remember all the nice things he said about us last week? He's like, your sins are forgiven. You've overcome the evil one. You know him who's been from the beginning. The darkness is passing away. The light is shining. John really encouraged us last week. So we should expect him to contrast the people who are really messing up with the people that he loves and calls dear children. And he's doing that right now. But you, you people, unlike those antichrists, have an anointing from the Holy One. What do we think the anointing is? The Holy Spirit. Very good. So this word comes, well, there's long history of usage with this, but it's, you know, you smear something with oil to anoint it to set it apart. Kings had this done to them, so did prophets, you know, lots of people, priests as well. So it's saying, you have this anointing. We know from the Bible that the anointing is the Holy Spirit. He sounds like to me, he's saying, these antichrists never had the Holy Spirit. Ouch. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. You all know what? All right, some translations. This is interesting. If you opened up your Bible and we read this verse, it would say different things because it's all trying to translate a sentence that is somewhat ambiguous, but I think it's clear when we look at the context. Some translations will say, because you know, or you know all things. Some will say, you all know, and some will fill in, you know the truth. I think options two and three are good because of the rest of the verse. It's clear that he's talking about the truth as opposed to the lie that who is spreading around. Antichrist, right? So we have a lot of people trying to convince people that lies are true. But you have an anointing, so you know the truth. He links the Holy Spirit with the truth. The Holy Spirit in the Bible is called the Spirit of truth. Truth. Thank you very much. And he says, I've not written to you because you do not know, but because you do know, and because no lie is of the truth. You should have a defense mechanism against this crap. This teaching should never make it in the church. You have antibodies spiritually against this kind of nonsense. It's called the Holy Spirit. You all know the truth. So really, you should have lines of defense for this. And he says, who's the liar? The one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. That seems straightforward. Let me take a breath. Talking about the Antichrist, just worshipped. We're more frazzled right now. Settling down. So, if you ask people, just like you guys remember last week too, like whoever says he's in the light but hates his brother is a liar. If you ask that person, are you in the light? They would say, yes, of course I'm in the light. And John is saying, you're lying to yourself. The one who denies Jesus is the Christ is the Antichrist, but if you ask them, is Jesus the Christ? They might say, yeah, sure. But John is saying, and David Guzik reminds us in that wonderful message, these people aren't denying that Jesus is the Christ as they define Christ. They're denying that Jesus is the Christ as the Bible. Yeah, and amen. John defines the Christ. So when Jesus says, I'm the Christ, what does that mean? That means everybody is damned without me. I am the way to the Father. Nobody gets to the Father through me. 
And I'm here to demonstrate the Father's love by dying a horrible death for you because I love you and I want everyone to get in on this. That's what it means to be the Christ. I'm here to save the world and I'm inviting all of you in. If you say you don't need it, if you say maybe he's a political figure, maybe the resurrection is just spiritual, all kinds of weird stuff people say to get around the Christ as the Bible defines Christ. That's what they're denying. Make sure people are talking about the same Jesus you are. Lots of Jesuses out there. Alright. That person is in the spirit of the Antichrist. The one who denies the Father and the Son. So, denies. This word means to deny, disown, or fail to confess. It involves intentionality and self-delusion. Blind allegiance to error from one who has rejected the truth. And that's from Mounts' expository. And I guess Mounts is a nerd with lots of letters behind his name. And he knows what he's talking about. So, here we go. <laughs> but this is a person, remember, where did they come from? They came from the church. John has to say they went out from us because they weren't really with us. So they know the lingo. They know what to say. But they don't believe what we believe. I'm not going to mention names, but I'm sure you guys can think of different faiths that will use the same terms we use, but they don't mean what we mean when they use those terms. They don't deny that Jesus is the Christ, just that he's the Christ as the Bible defines it. John is saying, look, have the Holy Spirit active, use that anointing, those spiritual antibodies need to be at work, you know what's true, you know it's a lie, alright? Be on your guard. These people will deny. They will intentionally delude so next we need to ask, the Father and the Son, how did the Father get caught up in all this? So he's kind of snuck in here. I think, and this is reaching back to why John might have wrote the book, when the Gnostic teaching and all this weird stuff started circulating around, they didn't believe that the ultimate God, this good spiritual <coughs> God, would dirty himself by creating a material world. So they thought that was nonsense. Like, Spiritual things are so good and so other. It had to be some young, upstart, punk, rebel, mini-god that would create the material world. And it's kind of like the black sheep of the god family, you know what I mean? So therefore, material matter is it's, it's just not so great. It's bad. So in their mindset, they started to think of Jesus as one of these upstart mini-gods. So if Jesus created the world, is Jesus even good? Oh, we don't know. Is he God? Sure he's a god. Wait, did you just say a god? Yeah, he's not the god. Well, who would be the God? Well, maybe God the Father. But John is saying, all that is garbage. Throw all of that highfalutin-sounding nonsense right in the garbage can. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. You cannot deny Jesus without denying the Father too. It's a package deal. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. This isn't quite as fun and flowing. Nobody's been insulted or called a liar yet. But this is really the meat of the letter. This is the kind of stuff they would have been wondering about. How do we sort out all these people? How do we sort out all these weird teachings? This person's saying this thing about Jesus, and this person's saying this stuff about God the Father. Boy, it's getting weird. John's saying, let me tell you how to, how to sort it out. This is how we sort it out. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Confesses. The opposite of deny. This has the idea of fully acknowledging. This word has the connotation almost of a promise. Like, I'm aligned with this person wholeheartedly. And if you do that, let that abide, which you have heard from the beginning. 
As for you, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides with you, <coughs> abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Lots of abide language. We talked about this word last week too. This is a huge, meaningful word. It means like live in, reside in, hold fast to. Like we are living in his teaching. We talked about how the thing we're supposed to abide in, the thing we've had from the beginning, is the entire teaching of Jesus, his character, and everything he said about life. If that abides in you, you will abide with the Son and the Father. And this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. So John is saying, look, hold fast. Don't quit. Don't give up. The stuff that you've been taught, just believe that. The stuff I'm telling you, believe that. All this new stuff from these people who are with you, and now they're claiming to know something different, or they've gone out and they've learned some new wisdom or some new philosophy, and they're trying to tell you that stuff, throw it out. Use the acid test. What do they think about Jesus? Do they deny that Jesus is the Christ? Not as they define it, as the Bible defines it. If the answer is yes, no. You have no fellowship with them. Stick in the teaching, in the character of Jesus that you've passed on, and you will stick with Jesus and the Father. You're literally abiding with them. And if you do that, just like he said last week, do that and you live forever. The promise is eternal life. Lift up your eyes. Look at the goal that's bigger than the here and now. Had to do that to people in the first century which were living very hard lives. Last chunk? Nope, second to last. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. How are we doing? This is kind of a long chunk this week. Everybody's good? Good. Excellent. Excellent. Why is he writing us this chunk? What is it about? It's about those people. Chunk, chunk, chunk. It's like Jane. Chunk, chunk. I call my daughter Chunk. I know I'm getting booze from all the girls and laughter from all the guys. Chunk, chunk. I'm sorry. That's terrible. Right? Hey, serious guys. Talk about everything. These things I have written you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Keep that in mind because there's a very strange verse in this passage that we can take out of context and make really, really weird. This is about the people that are trying to lie to them. Okay. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. This anointing again, the Holy Spirit, it's living in you, it's with you. All right? And it teaches you about, what does it say? All things. all things. Some Bible translations will just say, and the anointing teaches you all things. So what do you do with that? Well, you can say, look here. The Bible says that I've got the Holy Spirit. And, and look at that. It says, you have no need for anyone to teach you. Oh, but the anointing is going to teach me all things. Well, I don't need to learn from any man. I don't need a pastor. I learn from the Bible all of you should leave right now. Yes. I'm practically a heretic. So, in all seriousness, well-meaning Christians with very good hearts get really wonky with the understanding that the Holy Spirit is going to magically, I use that word somewhat pointedly, reveal truth to them outside of the Bible, outside of community, outside of authority, outside of teaching. David Guzik nails this again in that wonderful message that I suggest everybody listen to. And he says, look, yes, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things. 
through a variety of means. Amen. Some of those means are going to be the Bible, community, authority, good teachers. Yep. Okay? Amen. He's writing this concerning those people who are trying to deceive them. He's going back to the same point he made earlier. He's like, you have this anointing that should be throwing up red flags all over the place when blatant lies are coming in about Jesus. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you that that's not right. You will know. It's not saying you don't need church. Amen. 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 That was weak. You guys are right. Come on. Thank you, Jenny. You're always there for me. All right. I just said that. The Holy Spirit teaches us through a variety of means. And John is addressing those teachers who are trying to teach the opposite of what the anointing is confirming. Sneaky guys. All right. So what do we do? The Holy Spirit teaches us about all things. The anointing. I'm sorry, i got to keep my lingo straight. And it is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. This could actually be a command. He could actually say, just as it has taught you, this anointing, abide in Him. Now He's calling the anointing, don't miss this, a hymn. Hmm. Huh? What do we got going on here? It's almost like we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in this chunk. It's almost like Trinitarian stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy, I tell you. So, just as it, the anointing has taught you, abide in Him. And in case there's any doubt about who Him is, He clears it up for us. The anointing, the Him, now little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, motivation. <laughs> Motivated, isn't that Andy Minhar? He's coming back. This again is a little bit of a synopsis to this whole chunk of scripture we just read. When he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Amen. Amen. Look at these options, okay? So, this is a guy who lived with Jesus. He saw Jesus transfigured on a mountaintop. He saw the deaf here. He saw the blind see. He saw the, the lame walk. Then he saw him killed. He had his heart broken. Then he saw him raised to life and sucked into heaven. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who has seen way more dramatic and awesome stuff than we have ever seen. Okay? He's had his mind blown who knows how many times by Jesus. And now he is willing to put his life on the line every day, come what may, to make Jesus proud. And he says, it's the last days. He's coming back. And this is how he lives every moment. Maybe it was easier for him. Maybe it wasn't because of all the things he saw. But he gives us this instruction unashamedly. You have two choices. You can abide in him so that when he comes down, you don't have to be ashamed. You can see the resurrected Jesus coming in glory. The fact that this is even an option I find kind of astounding. And not want to run and hide you can stand there, see Jesus coming, and not be ashamed. Amen. Has anyone not been ashamed or a little bit embarrassed of something this week? I mean, you might be like in the minority. You know what I mean? God can actually appear, and you can live in such a way, and have Him abide in you in such a way that you can be glad. That's wild. And not shrink away in shame. People are going to be running, there's some dramatic texts in the Old Testament that talk about God coming, and people want the mountains to fall on them so that they can hide from His presence. They're horrified beyond belief. 
And John is saying, not only do you have to not feel that way, you can be happy about his coming. And then there's this, which is a little bit of an aside almost. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteous, righteousness is born of him. This just goes back to the same thing he's been saying pretty much for the duration of the letter, but let's look at just be said in chapter 2. And, chap and chapter 2, verse 3, he said this, By this we know that we've come to know him, if we keep his commandments. And 2.6, the one who says he abides in him, well, exactly what he's talking about here, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And then 2.28, now little children abide in him. Why? So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him at his coming. Guys, he's saying, Jesus is going to return and sort all this stuff out. Make sure he catches you acting like he acted and teaching what he taught yeah, yeah, yeah. when he comes back. Amen. Amen. Got all these liars, all these people wanting to teach a different Jesus, yep. teach different stuff about what it means to be the Christ. Amen. You have the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit. Mystically, he also refers to the anointing as him, Jesus, who is coming back. He's like, stay in that place. Abide in him, and he will abide in you. For homework, read John chapter 17 in his gospel. I'm going to give it to Justin. Thank you, guys.